All right, everyone, after hanging out off mic for a bit, catching up with a good friend, welcome back to a Hoofians one-off special pod. Don't know quite how to classify these yet, so we'll just call it a mega pal of the pod podcast. <laughs> Everyone's got friends of the pod, but I just wouldn't be doing tonight's guest any justice. I'm so stoked to finally get down to have him around in uh, <laughs> in our very large studio that stretches many state lines. <laughs> uh, so to finally have him on tonight, we're going to be breaking down his own sports fandom, what it's been like to become a multi-sport season ticket holder in one calendar year, his perspective on current sports media, and what he's looking forward to. Without any suspense, it's someone who I believe has been on the pod before for Survivor. It's Dan Statil. Dan, pal, welcome. How are you? Hey, man. Listen, recording or not recording, on mic or off mic, I'm just happy to talk with my pal Thanks oh, for it's so me. nice no it's so nice and that's exactly what we're gonna do i'm stoked to um get into all the things i just rattled off and i don't know i feel like i've been wanting to talk about just this topic in general for a long time and i feel like you're the perfect person to do it with and i think the year that you've had is just a great catalyst for it but even without it i think you're just one of the best people to talk sports with because i think you bring like a really well almost like a will a well-read angle to it I think that you have such a fresh perspective. Um, I've been a huge fan of your writing and projects in the past and just your takes on all of it and where we're going. I think you're you're a student of every game. So thanks for, thanks for taking the time to share all that with me. Absolutely. I mean, listen, this is stuff that you and I talk about all the time anyway. So it'd be, um, yeah, it, it's really good to kind of just nail down on some of these topics, have a good Good formal, uh, formal conversation about it, formal or informal, however. It yeah, absolutely. It. Why not share with the people? So, again, kind of to get into what I was alluding to, I'm just so impressed and maybe even, I don't know, it sounds ugly, but a bit of jealous that you've been able to, you know, lock down some season tickets. And I think you've kind of almost like grown as a fan in the process. And I've just, I feel like I see such passion coming out of you. So, for everyone who may or may not know, Dan is a season ticket holder to the MLS, New York Red Bulls, as well as New Jersey's own Devils. So, before we kind of get into how you, got to that step of just becoming like literally the most ultimate fan you could be. What, what started with your sports fandom as a kid or some of your earliest memories of watching sports on TV or in person? Yeah. I mean, I, some of my earliest memories of, of like just sports in general are going to the, uh, to the Meadowlands, to the old giant stadium and going to uh, formerly the Metro stars. Now the Red Bulls games uh, in, you know, like, cavernous empty uh giant stadium and uh i mean i i mean the league as a whole as far as mls was just it was so small at that time uh that you know if you were at a game and you were my i was lucky enough where my cousin and my uncle were members of a of a supporters club there one of the very first supporters clubs uh ever in mls which was just awesome and uh you know i was just a kid but they would uh bring me along to these there was they always called it the pub. I can't, I can't even really recall exactly oh, where wow. it was within Giant Stadium, but it was like it was like underneath Giant Stadium or something like that. Um, and so after the games, we would get to go there, and um, you know there'd be there'd be food and drinks and stuff like that. And then after a certain amount of time, uh, you'd have a solid amount, like not just one or two players, but at, you know five, six, seven oh, wow. players would come in, and we would we would mingle with them. I, I have. I have, uh, you know, envelopes full of, of 
disposable camera photos of uh you know me with with players and uh signed memorabilia and, and whatnot all from when i was uh, you know i was probably like you know five six seven at this time uh wow. maybe even younger, maybe even younger um but uh yeah, those are some of my earliest memories of sports just in general. It was like that's just incredible. fully engrossing. I'm sure you can imagine because that's a pretty rare – like to get that experience like every game is a pretty rare thing in, in Oh, my any... God, yeah. <laughs> I bet that would ruin anything else for you if you go to like a Yankee game because on the floor, I bet you're just like, all right, what time is it time to meet Jeter, Dad? It's like, oh, no, this is very different, son. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. I'm ashamed I just pulled a Yankee reference. But, wow, yeah, I had no idea. So I guess – Oh my god! Yeah, if anyone had that happen to them as a kid, I'd just be like, "Yeah, okay, I'm in." That's I'll I'll drop money on these season tickets later in the future. That's every kid's dream. That's awesome. So I guess that's just where it clicked. Do you remember how old you were around then? Yeah, I mean, I, I remember going to games as early as I mean, I don't really remember this, but I know that I was going to games as early as like uh, you know, like three years old, maybe four years old, so I, something like that. But uh, I mean, the league started in in. 96 yeah 96 so then um you know i was born in 98 so then a, a couple you know a few years after that so early 2000s really is when i was um when i was when i was going and the league was just in such an infantile stage at that point there was not even any knowledge that it was going to survive right. any for any stretch of time so um yeah it was cool to be a part it was just very very like sort of tight-knit supporters groups and it just all everybody kind of knew everybody at that at, at that time if you oh, were an MLS yeah. fan you you knew like like if you were a Metro Stars fan you knew like all the other Metro Stars fans it was just such a close group so it was awesome um yeah, yeah that's incredible I bet that's absolutely what would make you a fan and I almost want to come back at that with like a little bit more of a cynical question not to be like a downer but do you remember the age where it almost hit you it's like oh okay this thing of mine that's like so important to me and like important to the fabric of who I am. I've now met these players and I look forward to going to these games and being part of the supporters club with my family. When did it hit you that like, Oh, like the rest of the world is not clicking with MLS. Like I thought like I am. And like, maybe I thought I, it it was as big of a deal when I was little. Did that moment happen? Yeah. That's a, a really interesting question because I didn't really have a, a, like broad enough view of maybe the world in general, but, but sports at least specifically to really fully grasp what was going on in, you know, say Europe is, you know, really where obviously right, the point. hub of everything is soccer related. So I didn't really have an understanding and an appreciation and uh, you know, too much knowledge of really what was going on over there until uh, much later, maybe I was, I, I mean, I, be, I became Maybe we'll touch on this later too, but I'm a yeah, definitely. Huge, huge Chelsea fan. Oh, and I <laughs> yeah, and I, I didn't become I didn't become a Chelsea fan until I remember it was like uh sixth or seventh grade. So you know, middle school. So I mean, we're right. we're, we're talking years and years later uh, from from when I had been going to these these Metro Stars and, and then Red Bulls games. So I it, it's a kind of a really strange like phenomenon, yeah. like yeah, really like just world shattering almost like what. Like not everyone is is getting Metro Stars gear under the tree for Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I guess I guess to a certain degree, like through those years, I never really, I, I didn't really understand. I didn't really know what, um, you know the the, right. the, view of, uh, the view of MLS was, and maybe that's maybe that's for the better, just because it it just made me. I was already a diehard fan by the time I knew about anything else, and the time I had exposure to anything else. So, um, 
Yeah, I bet you're one of the only major soccer fans that you honestly know of where their foray into it is MLS first. I bet, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, I bet a lot of them are almost like early teens, 12 to 13, almost like maybe even through FIFA or just like they have like some extended family member that kind of strangely supports a team over there. They like it. Like, you know what? I want to get more closer to a game that I love when you pick an MLS team. Is that accurate? Yeah, and I think I think that's something that we'll, we'll probably talk about a little bit later too because I have some thoughts about uh, FIFA and, and just video games in general, kind of how that kind of how that has changed like sports fandom and, and everything uh, from, you know, for kids from a young age. But I also didn't really play video games when I was younger, so I didn't I also didn't really have the exposure in in that way so that that also probably contributed to it but it's it's kind of a strange like i feel like it's a pretty unique experience i don't really know too many too many people that um that had such an isolated sort of uh, i I guess i'll call it like an mls upbringing in terms of my my sports fandom but at the same time you know i it's not like i thought that that was the i don't want to make it sound like that was the only sport that I knew of, obviously I watched other sports. My, I was, I was also a diehard Yankees fan for most of my, uh, most of my childhood. So, um, I, you know, I, I knew there was other, other stuff out there. Uh, just, just soccer related. It was, everything was just Metro star slash Red Bulls. That was, that was, that was it for me. And, and, and the U S national team, that's a completely different thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. I think if you have had like one of the more unique paths, I know. I, I actually. Oh, damn! This is so. I want. I'm not going to end the call, but I had no idea about this whole Yankee thing. So, does that come from your from your parents? <laughs> My grandfather was uh was a uh, yeah always always was a Yankee fan. So my yeah there, there's on my dad's side of the family is definitely a solid handful of of big Yankees fans. And then yeah. and then and then yeah. So I I was baseball was a huge huge thing for me for a long time, and then some point like early in middle school um i i stopped playing it i stopped watching it i i i sh- completely shut my eyes to baseball for like a decade and uh, only sort of now have gotten back into baseball and fa- found like a new appreciation for it so, but yeah i kind of cut straight was it, kind of it, you like, was it like a protest against something that was maybe more mainstream or was it just because your interest in in soccer and, and i guess eventually hockey were just greater than baseball yeah, that's exactly it. It was. Uh, I remember it from a playing sense. I just remember being kind of bored playing it, and I remember. Uh, I, I remember just you know n- not really a lot of action for like a fifth grader in the outfield. Oh, yeah. There wasn't really too wasn't really always too much going on, and and so that and then yeah, just the the other the other interest just really took hold. I mean, soccer is really what what dominated everything in in terms of my sports fandom for forever. Uh, from that point on, so. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think a lot of people were kind of similar to yourself where I think at that point, once you get to like high school, it's like I can only have so many interests. <laughs> so yeah. I, I need to literally just dedicate my time to something else. So, yeah, so you're, you're touching upon like playing. So did um, like how, how long did when did you start playing soccer and like did that feel your own soccer fandom? Was it like a, was it a perfectly symbiotic relationship or did one kind of lead to the other more so? Yeah, I think I started going to, I think I started going to like at least clinics of sorts and like 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 summer soccer camps and things like that. I think when I was like three or four, so probably around you know the same time. It kind of, I guess my my life of playing soccer kind of coincided entirely with my growth of going to those those old games at, at the old Giant Stadium and um, yeah, I think they grew together uh, in 
pretty much Ooh. pretty much synchronization so uh yeah definitely was fully engrossed from from that point on who were you out there modeling your game after <laughs> who was who was the biggest inspiration that you get that you um, was it more of uh chelsea players red bulls players yeah so back then i mean it was all red bulls players back then um my favorite player when i was younger was uh He's 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 honestly he's a, he's a big name in MLS now. He's re- he's been retired for a little while, but his name is Mike McGee. Um, he was a young player when he was over here with the uh, with the Metro Stars, and I remember I, he was the he was the first guy that I was always uh, after those games that we would go to, and we would go to that pub afterwards. He was always the guy that I was looking to get an autograph or a picture with or whatever. Oh, cool, and uh, I've got a I've got a a bunch of pictures with him actually, luckily, which is really cool to to go back. I'm gonna have to go and dig some of those up that would be pretty cool yeah, absolutely i'd love to see some of that stuff yeah yeah so i uh, yeah absolutely he was he was an idol of mine there's another red bulls legend a little bit a little bit later on uh, a little bit after mike mcgee left but uh juan pablo on hell was a uh massive signing for the red bulls when he he came over and he was he was a member of like the first team when when they moved over to red bull arena in 2010 uh, he was gotcha. like talisman. He played over in, in Giant Stadium for I don't know a year or two. Um, he was here for like four or so years, but uh, he had at least a year at the old Giant Stadium, and then and then the whole new era was ushered in. And um, yeah, he was he was our our highest club. The uh, excuse me, the franchise highest goal scorer yeah. for many years and, and That's everything. Good for so, them, yeah. I'm sure to have someone like a new star like that at the time when they were opening up a new arena. Oh, at the time it was massive. It definitely was. He was a bit, yeah. He he was. I mean, not the not. He wasn't like a David Beckham sort of signing. That that is something that moved the needle more than anything else. But yeah, uh, right. he I definitely, yeah, yeah. He definitely, he definitely did a lot for for this organization. So do you, uh, at the, what was the fan reaction? Were somewhere any were fans? Was anyone gonna mourn the loss of playing at the Meadowlands, or was the idea of having Arena just for this team like just an obviously super exciting thing? No, I mean, it was it was massively exciting. I mean, I think from the moment that I think if you talk to fans now about Red Bull ownership of the organization, you're going to get I'd say mixed opinion, but that would probably be doing it. uh, uh, You know, that would probably be uh, selling it a little short. Uh, You get a lot of uh, a lot of vitriol from the fan base about uh, Red Bull ownership. But back then, I mean, MLS one in the 1.0 era everything was about stability, especially from a financial perspective and Red Bull, Red Bull owning a team. I mean, you were never going to be worried about that team going defunct about that team, going, you know, going bankrupt under whatever it was in pro sports. That's just named directly after a product in American sports. Yeah. At least in American sports. Yeah. You're probably hundred percent. Right. Um, But uh, I, at that point, so they bought the team in Oh five. So, yeah, oh five, oh six, and then a few years later, that they it, in just in just like a year or two after that, they started the plans for Red Bull Arena. So it was like from the moment they came in, you could just sort of see a vision for right. for for progress, really. And that, I mean, this this team is really something that has has helped propel MLS forward. I mean, as as unsuccessful as as uh history might show the franchise to be in general um having yeah, not quick, won an MLS break cup that yet. listeners so like how many championships are we talking here in their in their what in their 25 year history is that accurate 27 
1996, because uh, they're original. So, yeah, 28. Soon to be 27. Yeah, 27. Yeah, so how many championships were we talking in that time period? Well, so not to complicate things, there's, there's, there's two no, ways please. to look at it. You've got time. In one way, you know, looking at it in one way, zero championships, no MLS Cups in this, in this time. Okay. Um, and you wouldn't have MLS Cup by when there's like an end of the year, like, playoff. So, right? yeah. So, so in typical American sport fashion, there is, um, there's standings, there's uh, playoffs. You got to make the playoffs. And then there's MLS Cup, which is a knockout style tournament uh, in the postseason. So you've got that and that the winner of that is awarded uh, the MLS Cup trophy. So we've got none of those. Uh, what oh, we do no. have. Is what that we do super, have, is that does that like keep you up at night? Is that is that a uh, have, you, have you come close? I've been to an MLS Cup final once, two thousand eight, lost to the Columbus Crew. Uh, funny enough, that year we were. <laughs> it's just uh, it always we just were, cracks me up. Some of these things just sound made up. The Columbus Crew. <laughs> yeah, I. They are. They are. Uh, in it, I love it. They're they're a classic. I believe they. I believe they were actually technically the first the first MLS team. Um, they were like the first chartered franchise uh, of MLS, if I'm not mistaken. But I, you know. It, Either way, we, we, we did lose. Funny enough, we, we were, interestingly enough, the Western Conference champions uh, that, that year because we came in. There, was a, a, there, there have been a multitude of different playoff formats in MLS, and, and uh, at this time, there was, there, was a wild, there was a wild card. Uh, the Rebels came in through a wild card and ended up on the, on the Western Conference side of the bracket and ended up winning the Western Conference. So the New York Red Bulls were... And that was played at the Midlands? Western Conference champions. We pl- I was played in Columbus. And you were at, there? At the first, uh, it was Matt Free Stadium. It's it's gone now. It's demolished now. They have a new stadium, but Matt so Free you Stadium. Did you and your uncle and your cousin went out there? Oh no, I was not there. Oh no. okay. <laughs> Still, but do you remember like specifics of watching that game? Oh yeah, I remember exactly where I was watching it. I remember, I remember uh, it was. I, I believe it was three one final. Um, I remember when when we scored and just feeling like, you know. As as any kid would, on top of the world, right. you know. Um, but yeah, that was the only time. So that was two thousand eight. It was the first and and only time we've been there. So we've been a a playoff cursed team because when you talk about success, right? Like no MLS cups. We do, however, hold. I believe now that the Pittsburgh Penguins did not make the play the NHL playoffs this past season. I believe the New York Red Bulls own the uh north the record for most consecutive north american professional sports playoff appearances oh wow with thir- 13 or 14 years straight you're um, currently the most 13 consecutive yeah we haven't missed the playoffs wow. since red bull arena since red bull arena opened in 2010 that's pretty amazing why are people should be talking about this However, currently we are uh in the midst of probably our worst seasons since uh since that so that 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 we're below below the playoff line right now. There's plenty of season left, but it is not looking so hot for that record. But regardless, I mean, you know, th- there's been it's been over a decade of uh, this franchise being, you know, cream of the crop because you, you see teams in this league that there's so much parity in this league that you see teams that, um, you know, yeah, are top of, the, top of the standings in the regular season, and then the next season they they're you know scraping the bottom of the barrel and. Uh, would you say that's it, almost it, like it, soccer in general? Because I feel like whenever I check in on like you know just some quick, you know, bird's eye view like scans of like ML like of a uh, Premier League tables by the years, it seems like it can be like 
just because it's like you just never know who can get hot. It seems like it can almost flip on a dime. Is that soccer yeah. across the globe? I would I would actually probably contest that a little bit for some of the biggest European leagues. There's a lot of stability in some of those leagues because of the, the there's no you don't have any of the American sport like um, things that help build parity, such as like a salary cap and, right. uh, you know, roster limits and things yeah, like that. You don't, you don't have a lot of that. So it's just you're kind of only limited by the funds of ownership. And, you know, when you have an extremely wealthy uh say um you know family or or group you have yeah. a lot of group ownership now um or even like ownership. groups and people that aren't doing it yeah 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 uh, so i mean that really so i i'd probably i'd probably challenge it a little bit but i think i think near uh, american sports north american sports that is show demonstrate probably the most parity um or you know at least the most like season over season potential for uh you know a different look, a different look in the standings and stuff like that. Um, but the Red Bulls have been a model of, of unprecedented uh, consistency. So, so that's uh, a yeah. really unique spot to be in. So you've yet to get it done, but you're like kind of the best MLS team ever. Such a strange spot. You could, you could say that. And then, and then to add to that. So, um, so there's the MLS cup and then ha- are you familiar with the supporter shield? With the supporter ship? The supporters' shield is a uh, it's a okay. trophy. It's another so trophy. That, so. Yeah, I believe. So. so is that when you like just finish at the top of the standings at the end of the year? Yeah, it's so it, you know if you're a hockey fan, it's the president's trophy. It's it's yeah. the it's the number one team of the regular season, first place of the regular season. So when you look at you know a global model for a soccer league, what you're looking at is you know no playoffs. I mean, there's other knockout right. tournament style competitions within a season. But the domestic leagues are all just a single table. Right. And, you know, who, whoever's at the top at the end of the season. I'm, it, I'm it, fascinated like, by that. So, you know, if, you're looking at, if you're looking at it with a global model, we have three supporter shields. So we have, you know, won the league, as you might say, in England or, or wherever, three times in six right. years. Um, so there, there's that. The playoff success is not there. But uh, regular season dominance is is – has been there for well over a decade now. In some weird ways, I kind of like that. Like, if you look at you know, in the NHL this year, the Boston Bruins, like, it just exactly. it sucks that, like, you can have a historically great regular season and then something goes wrong and you're just up against the first round. An, an unstoppable moving force of a really hot team like the Florida Panthers at the time, and then it's just all gone. So there's some fans that would argue that that's kind of, like, fair in a way. And, and I think it's kind of cool that you get – and it, how it equals itself out is that you get both. And I guess it's yeah. like, it makes sense for the MLS because that's just how all of soccer is. I believe in the Premier League, what do they do? You, There's someone who wins the Premier League every year if you just have the most wins. And then it's the top four that get to go ahead and play in the Champions League the following season. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, there's, there, there's, there's that. And there's also, now there's a couple other European competitions below the Champions League. They're kind of just like, you know, a B tier and a C tier competition. Um, so like the fifth place goes to the Europa League. Uh, sixth place goes yeah. to the Europa Conference League, whatever. So those are, you know, devalued competitions. But um, but yeah, I, I, it, I, I'll echo what you said, kind of like it's it's awesome to have to have something for both. I mean, if you look at if you look at hockey again, like. The Boston Bruins could not give. Oh, it's crazy. Of, they couldn't give less of a shit that they won the President's Trophy, right? Oh, like no. they don't. They do not. Their fans don't care. 
nobody cares about winning the president's trophy in in hockey um which is fine there's nothing wrong with that there's absolutely nothing wrong with that but the way that soccer is and the way that most soccer fans understand understand the sport um is by looking at a table, by looking at the standings, by right. you know seeing who's seeing who's up there. There is there's a lot more value in a supporters shield, and I, of course I'm saying this from an incredibly biased perspective because right. my team had three of them and no cups, right? So well, it's because uh, of the sport that it's, it comes from is that most they don't even they don't is that actually like none of them do what the MLS does where it goes into right, right. traditional American playoffs. So at least you got that part done. Right. I mean, I like I I love playoffs. Um, like any American sports fan would. I mean, the drama, this and the, natural. The like you got to crown a champion. I feel like I feel like that's almost in some ways my barrier with soccer as like an outsider trying okay. trying to go to games. But I feel like I'm like oh like I, I feel like that's even some people's complaints with just like individual games. It's just like why are like ties like a good thing? I feel like someone go win. So the fact that like the right. season could borderline end in it's not a tie. Right. So like there will be a team. At the top of it, so I think that could be a lot of people's tough part. But um, no, I mean, yeah, that, that makes sense. That's why, as a Red Bulls fan, you should totally feel validated. That's the that's the culture, if you will, of the uh, of the sport. But um, yeah, definitely not valued as much by by everybody else as, as much as I do. But that's even like how often how often in MLS or like Premier League or these other you know, uh, like leagues of high caliber across the world, how often is it close? Like, does it often come how? Will it come down to just one game to crown a winner, or one or two games yeah. to crown a winner? Yeah, I mean that's that's what everybody that's what everybody craves. And there's an, an example the um, in the Bundesliga, which is the German league, which is yes. outside of outside of MLS and the Premier League, my favorite my favorite league in the world. I, I, it's very high. It's a very um, attacking focused league. Uh, which is interesting. Another interesting thing about soccer is you just have in these different leagues, you just have you see different styles, you see different trends and stuff like that. And the German league is always high goal scoring, a little bit less of a focus on on defense, which is more pleasing for a viewer, of course, generally. But um, but that league this year came down to the came down to the final day. Uh, at, when I say this, it's going to sound like the most boring thing in the world, but I'm I'm with you. Put us yeah, but, give us give us a thirty for thirty moment. No, let's. I mean, so Bayern Munich are the absolute kings of of the game in Germany uh, and and arguably in Europe. But they've they've won the Bundesliga. Uh, I I don't even remember what it is now. I think it's like ten straight years. Uh, which I could have named another team. It's disgusting that 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 this has happened. But this is they're such a well run organization and whatever. There's a bunch of elements that go into it, but. Um, the consistently number two team and the team that's right there behind them in terms of uh, notoriety and everything, not so much success, but in terms of notoriety is uh, Borussia Dortmund. You might recognize Dortmund. Oh, they're, they're, okay. uh, yes, they have, they're yeah. the Wolves, right? Uh, they don't really have a name. They're black and gold. They have a very recognizable sort of black and gold uh, yeah, logo. Cool. BVB. Um, right. But... Uh, They've always kind of been right there trying to like breathe down the neck of Bayern, never quite gotten there. And this year they had it in their hands on the final day. All they had to do was win uh, their game. And they they ended up going down two nothing in the first half. Oh. Uh, and and they were looking atrocious. Everybody thought this was finally finally the year. And they have there's some more drama too. They have a a, a player that is one of the most well liked across the globe players in soccer in, in Marco Royce. Marco Royce, he's a German player. He's been there 
through thick and thin for that club. He's been there forever. He's a little bit on the older side now. And I thought finally they were going to win it, win one for, for Royce. And, uh, and they did not get it over the line. They ended up losing and Byron, Byron, Byron won their game. And then, and I I had, I had turned on that game. And this is what you love from a final day drama, um, which you don't necessarily get in, in the playoffs because um, you have games going on at exactly the same time. So what you have, is uh, so many ramifications. Yeah. the Bayern players finished their game. Their game was finished a couple minutes quicker. And so you see all the Bayern players on the field waiting to celebrate because they think that they might have done what they needed to do, but they're all watching the games, uh, the, the, uh, the Dortmund game rather, on their phone, watching the last couple minutes to, in, to make sure that they lost so that they could, you know, confirm that they actually had clinched uh, another title. But um, it, it's it, it's fun. I mean, one of the most iconic moments probably in the game as a whole. It, I don't know. I feel like everybody must have seen this, but uh, Manchester City winning the winning the league for the very first time on their final day against their crosstown rivals, Manchester United, um, who thought that they had won it. And then Manchester City were losing and they come back and they scored two goals in the last like 10 minutes of the game to win their game. And then they ended up winning the league as a result all on the final day. It was one of the most dramatic things you'll, you'll ever see but um but but i get what you're saying is for you is it like is it i think you you were kind of like alluding to like a, a cathartic sort of moment like a championship right. game it's like that final exactly yeah so much I, of I, so much you of don't all, always get like that my, final day drum, so no it's hard to i feel like so much of my uh nba fandom which is my favorite league i feel like is almost even rooted in just like the race every year to the playoffs i watch a lot of it all year long, but then I feel like I get super tuned in in like mid March when you're staring down the barrel. You got to see who's going to be making the you know the seeding if you're playing, and especially now if you're going to be a playing team or not, what that's going to look like. Because sometimes the the matchups have been really fun, and this past year like two like a, two playing teams made really deep runs in the Lakers and the Heat. But I guess that concept is kind of similar to what you get with like that last day drama a bit, but the ramifications can never be as high at all of what you just described. But then yeah, even after all that, I just love like the storylines and the rivalries that can come out of, I love having, I honestly, I love having like a month and a half to two months of playoff rounds. And that's what you get as a big mm-hmm. NHL fan. I, I wonder how much you look forward to that each year, but I feel like I get to almost meet and learn so much, so many players that I haven't even thought of in the first place. Every yeah, year on this pod, we almost, have our own category where we kind of predict who's become like a household name through the playoffs. Yeah. It's just like that. Like here's the official winner because, because upsets can happen too. That's the thing that you don't get with um, right. just someone being at the top of the table is like, you know, an underdog story. So that stuff's all, all, all good and fun, but yeah. Wow. When you pitch it like that again, too, this is, I think really getting to the meat of why I wanted to meet with you. And I just feel like that the fandom behind soccer is just a bit different and it's, I think it's rare that you have that as an MLS fan because what, yeah, I didn't even plan for it to be this way, but just kind of naturally with the way that we've been going about things, like I think your uh, Europe European leagues like have the benefit of having like deep rooted history. You were just talking about how City like triumphed over their crosstown rival United. Everyone yeah. knows, but even if you're not that big of a fan, well, I, I say I say everyone so broadly. Maybe not everyone, but people are <laughs> tuned into like the rivalry between the Reds and the Blues and like what that. We've all seen clips go viral of of street hooligans and and you know in England what that's like and so to have that kind of history you also you ha- you yourself have that history as an MLS fan so I'm wondering like what that feeling you have of I can't imagine what was what's been like to to be in 
Meadowlands with your your cousin and uncle and just like get to meet those people. How did that fandom translate over to making that big decision to become a season ticket holder? And how, what has it felt like to to now be one? Like, and what's the current? I guess we'll get to later. What's the current state of the Red Bulls was when you bought in? Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I I've definitely thought before about like just kind of being a little introspective, like what what even makes soccer special I, to me, but also just like you know, to, I've been like, a lot of people. Ask why, yeah. Like, why is it? Yeah, and it's like a very fair question from those who might not be as involved in the game or who, you know, don't really have any exposure to it. Cause, but it's something that, you know, unless you really think about, maybe you don't have like an exact answer to, but for me, it's, it's, it's all about the support is the fans and the support is so unique compared to anything that you'll find in any other sport anywhere. And I think part of that comes from soccer just being by far the most accessible game out there i mean when you talk about this is just you know this is very kind of low to the ground stuff but but the barrier to entry to play soccer is so low um you know very little equipment in most countries america's is a little bit different you have some money and financial assistance is is required in this country unfortunately but um you know in in most other countries a lot of the best players uh france was actually we are back uh yeah so um yeah so i was going to say that that france was kind of heralded around the time that they won the the world cup um for and that was 18 right yeah tons of their star players being from some of the poorest areas around paris specifically um and elsewhere of course as well but uh like the outskirts of uh, the really poor areas around the outskirts of paris um I remember reading a, a couple of stories about how many of their most sk- skillful players came from there and grew up playing street football, just like, mm-hmm. you know, in these tiny little, uh, they have like these like fenced in sort of like, it looks like a cage match kind of, kind of thing. And you just, it hones something special in, you know, it, it can hone something special in you as a player. But ultimately I say all of that to, to just say that, you know, it being such an accessible game, um, some of these, famous, famous, massive clubs came back in the day from, you know, poor groups of people or, you know, not necessarily poor, but at least working class groups of people that um, came together just to, just to play a game. And now, you know, you look today and they're, they're worth millions and millions of dollars, even in some case, billions of dollars um, and are playing on the biggest stages in the oh, world. Yeah. But, uh, I, Wolfsburg is a club in Germany that uh, was created simply Back, back, I have no idea of the timeline, but they were created back in the day as just it was a group of factory workers for Volkswagen uh, that oh, awesome. worked at, the, at the car factory, and they uh, they played soccer just you know sort of in their free time, and that like that simple stuff that is what history, yeah, clubs are, are built on, and it just it allows like it just creates these these roots that fans and supporters have because they're so connected to these clubs because they're just they've grown up from like the groundwork of the community around them. And it's just so different from, you know, 
a billionaire buying an NFL franchise and, and you know, not to disparage the NFL in any way, but uh, oh, you know, or, or to pick on it specifically, but you know, it's a stark difference in terms of the, uh, the supporters relationship with, with the team. Um, it's such an identity for so many of these people around the world. Their club is, 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 like, Part of your identity, Dan. With that, that's so cool. You know, it's 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 incredible. Yeah, yeah that is um, amazing. Is, are some of those identities getting smashed now with some yeah. recent buyouts of like looking at something like the Premier League with 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 other you know majority groups of just billionaires coming in? Is that is that altering things a bit? Yeah, it's a great point. Um, you, you're seeing a lot a lot now of, uh, and uh, I'm sure you've probably read a little bit about this. Too, but uh, the sports washing in European soccer, in particular, uh, is definitely kind of harming the fabric of of like what started all of this. Um, you know, you have right. so that's like, amazing what you were just breaking down with. Um, what you remind me of the club in Germany? Uh, Wolfsburg. Wolfsburg, that's amazing. And I would you say that like there's almost like as rich of a history with other you know um, more renowned and like household name types of clubs in in England. Yeah, I I would I would say so. I mean, a lot of a lot of these teams came from. I'm trying to think of um, of a particular story that that I'm aware of of, of one of those clubs. But um, I don't. For, for example, I this is outside of England. But if you go over to if you go over to Spain and you're talking about two of the biggest teams, two of the biggest sporting organizations ever in Barcelona and Real Madrid, yeah. um, you see the roots in this club. The, the Real in, in Real's name, and there are a few other clubs in Spain that have the Real name attached to them. That's right. And they're clubs that were recognized um, at some point in history by the British monarchy and given that designation as like like a royal club, a club with ties to the royal monarchy. Um, and so you have that in contrast with with Barcelona, where Barcelona is located in, in Catalonia. I, I, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing Catalonia correctly, but it's an area of Spain that has a history yeah, yeah of wanting to sort of secede from from Spain and 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 there there have been lots of uh historical instances of the area kind of looking for their own independence and and whatever so you have you have a royal club tied to the monarchy juxtaposed to uh a club in, under very different circumstances looking to kind of differentiate themselves and separate themselves really from um Spain and the monarchy as a whole right uh, and those two, you know, you have, you have, so you have roots like that as well, where you have um, kind of just such rich history in two clubs that have, I mean, certainly not uh, the same level, uh, nearly the same level of success on the global scale. Um, but yeah, that, I, I mean, that having histories like that is something. Yeah, that's that, amazing. It, it, it's incredible. And it's something that's so different to, uh, and it's passed down generation to generation, to fan to fan. Yeah, and which for better or for worse, right? Because then you you're also for worse. That's right. You're passing down hostility sometimes and things like that too. But when I, when um, I tell people the teams I'm a fan of, they first ask me if I'm just okay <laughs> off the, off the bat. <laughs> yeah, but it is different. I mean, I think for just to relate to what you're talking about really quickly, and again too, maybe just a, uh, something even broader. Like one of my favorite parts about. I think what keeps my fandom going and just like I think one of the just entry points that I think I've had lately and has piqued my interest in the past like year and a half into soccer 
football, if you will, has been the the excellent FX series. Welcome to Wrexham. And within what's so cool about that series, that, that series is honestly more of just like a real, the whole thing is a really interesting social experience. I didn't really realize until doing some reading that like McElhenney and Reynolds really like bought the team to do the show, but it's very symbiotic because I know like McElhenney at least has become a fan of soccer and like loves Wrexham. Um, I think they're both like have Welsh ties themselves. And McElhenney always kind of, he said that like the way that, he is a massive diehard Eagles fan that the way that people feel about Wrexham and soccer in general is very similar to that. But I'll have to get the exact episode name and like and uh, title for you and where it comes in the season. I don't know if you've watched the show. Have you watched any of the show? I haven't. Uh, it's it's interesting because I know I, I know you've talked as well before about about Ted Lasso and I think both of those shows have done yeah definitely Pete have done lots for for America as a whole in terms of yeah. how they view soccer and what they think about soccer and i haven't seen um, both but yeah both shows definitely show off the fandom in interesting ways i know in lasso there's like they keep shut like they keep cutting to the pubs and how people gather and (laughs) and they watch like and like you know are just like so invested in like the roar of the crowd at the pub alone i think that gets a certain amount of people to even be interested in the game, the prospect of getting to drink at nine in the morning here in the States and yeah. watch games is big. But in Wrexham in particular, and, and how we were talking about passing passing fandom down and what the legacy of like fandom is, it shows like a it the whole episode follows this, like the story of this one fan and how he's like going through this like pretty ugly divorce. Like life is not is not great. I think he like just barely got like dual custody, but he takes his like son and uh, to his first like Wrexham game. And it's like so emotional because it's like this poor, this poor dude has just like has got his like soccer club to lean on, and like it's not that they're there for him because that's kind of a weird thing. Like, not, unless you're dancing to at the Meadowlands in the early two thousands, these guys don't know you. But, <laughs> but, but that's I don't. I'm sure you've heard that that from that that joke or term a lot, where it's like, yeah, you love your team, but do they love you back? No, yeah. at the same time, that there is this like parasocial relationship that people have with their teams, like you do with anything that you're passionate about. It's just kind of like a constant in your life. It's like, yes, you like the Metro Stars may not remember your name, but like your cousin does and your uncle does, and like those were very formative memories for you. So I always throw that term back at people. And, like that's kind of an ignorant thing to say because this is still like just a hobby and passion in my life that comes all the way back around. So I, I, it's got to be an absolutely massive part about it, and I wonder how is that kind of feeling of legacy and just ultimate and just fandom? How has that been magnified of being a season ticket holder for I guess four or five, or five months now? Uh yeah, from uh from February from February on, I guess. Um, That's great. Right. Yeah. So yeah, do you feel like you're even more into the team? Where are where have your thoughts been halfway through this experience, and what's the experience just been like? Yeah, yeah, it's 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 interesting. I mean, I can say I'm a new season ticket holder, but I also I probably I probably went to to more games last year. I went to almost every game last year too, which is why one of the reasons why I decided to to just end up with season tickets. But right, um, you know, so I I really don't think I could say that it's changed my fandom all that much for for you know I don't know if there was much room to really increase, uh, but to get even. Also- you more spending even more time with these guys. Yeah, there's also um, aspects to it that 
like this is this has just been a really bad season. So it's it, it's it's one of those things where it's like obviously, um, you know, I'm not a fair weather fan that's just not going to games and stuff like that when my team isn't doing well, not watching whatever it is. Um, but there's there's an element of just not as happy sunshine rainbows feelings around around the organization when there's so much that I'd like to see changed about it. So, um, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say that it's, it's done anything crazy to my fandom just because it was, it, it's, it was, really, if it went, if it increased anymore, I'd have to be like hospitalized every weekend. So it'd be um, bad, especially with the way they're bad. playing. If it was increased, you may not be showing up to work for opening the laptop in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what, I mean, what's everybody else feeling like? So, have you like how often have you dipped down to be with the drum bangers and the conductors that are there and and everyone who's chanting? Yeah. One of the times. Yeah. So, and and maybe I'll, I'll kind of just set the stage for that as well. But there's a, a large supporter section in Red Bull Arena, as there are in most MLS stadiums, and it, the, there's different styles to to support. You won't see something like that in England, where there's like a lot of uh, flag waving and, and like one particular section that's standing and stuff like that. You see it in Germany, you see it in South America, uh, you, you see it a, a lot of different places. England has a little bit of a different style, but MLS has kind of Are they more combined. proper? Uh, the, so all the fans will be will be like chanting, like the whole stadium will be. Okay, so rather than it being chanting. centralized, it's just everybody is screaming. Yes, but you don't <laughs> see in England, you don't see drums in England. Um, you don't see flags like during play, uh, mm-hmm. like you would see in in some of these in some of these other places, MLS included. But yeah, so in Red Bull Arena, you have what's called the South Ward. It's three sections of the stadium that are um, designated as like the supporters the supporters uh, section. And gotcha. basically, they're yeah, like you said, they're banging drums, they're waving flags the whole the whole ninety minutes plus, um, and they do not stop no matter what's going on. They've got chance, uh, choreographed stuff. It's 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 kind of great. Amazing. You got to think that they like get like get together before the games and like, all right, uh, halftime we're gonna transition to for you. <laughs> like yeah. we score, we're gonna do this one. Like, what yeah. is like, the culture around South Ward like? And have they even been there as long as far back as they were the Metro Stars? Yeah. So back then, um, when my uncle and cousin were a part of it, it was it, it, it was it was something different. It was called Raging Bull Nation. It was at least what well, I it was the only supporters club that I'm aware of. But I was I was very young, so I'm not entirely positive there were more. But um, that's what they were a part of for a while. And then when we moved into Red Bull Arena, there were three different supporters groups that took up those three sections, which is interesting in and of itself, right? That it's not one. Yeah, that is or- great. There's, it was it's three separate organizations. You are have they the like? Are, is there any friction or tension between? It's like different supporters clubs. Why are there? Yeah, why are there different ones? Yeah, it's 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 interesting. Friction is is an interesting question because obviously everything that's going to unite those those groups is is there, but um, you do see difference of opinion on like when a controversial thing might happen within the club. Uh-huh. Um, you see, you see some different, you see some different visions and different takes on on where because these supporters groups they have a heightened impact on things that happen within the club because, um, like you were talking about before, kind of like, you know, you might love your club, but does your club love you or whatever it is? Like, yeah. it, 
maybe you know it's not in it's obviously not an equal relationship but supporters in soccer have actually a really impressive impact on their club if it's if it's run sort of properly because a, a club should be right. uh, aware and and taking into consideration the the thoughts of their you know most vocal supporters and the, and the thoughts of their um, you know most long time most dedicated supporters um, that's just how the sport works but to, to to the point about about the Red Bulls in particular um, they were just sort of each formed at different times so uh, makes sense they. They've been growing sort of just around the core members that they've had. I I was not there, so to speak, at the obviously I was there, but I was not um, you know, you know, a part not of those, sentient. <laughs> not having of those guys. You could say sentient. not sentient. You could say that. Um <laughs> but uh yeah, so those those three groups, they're they're always they're always banging their drums around. And then to go back to sort of your cool. original question, which I diverted from, um, how often Don't I have I've really not gone down there actually. Uh, it, as much as as a kid, I always thought that that was like my destiny was to be a part of those yeah, groups and everything. Yeah, so seriously, and, you were the chosen one. You, you knew some South Border. <laughs> I made, I made, I made dabble, um, you know, eventually. But uh, I find myself a bit too, a bit too involved in the actual happenings on the field to be. But, and 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 I'll I'll like help I'll sing along to the chants and stuff like that because at this point I know most of them, um, but it's it's a little bit difficult to be, you know, fully in tune with everything that's going on on the field and and fully understanding of everything that's going on on the field when um, you're doing all this stuff and that's and that's part of it too. Right? Like they the people that that are down there every game they are sacrificing just 100%. a little bit of their of their they're sacrificing a little bit of their soccer experience to to put forth the effort that they feel is, you know, they're doing their part to help our boys along for the 90 minutes and try and try and, you know, push them forward to, to it get is them. Admirable. They, they think, right? It, like is, it is like a job. Like yeah, exactly. Exactly. They feel like they're doing their job and, and, and that's, what, I, I mean, not to say that they're not, um, but that's, that's the, that's the reason behind it. And the reason that you see such passion is there's an ownership over like that role that these yeah. people, um, you know, feel they're okay the responsibility. They, they feel the responsibility. What they did impacted. Exactly, exactly. They feel okay. part of it. I feel like they have a stake in it. Yeah. So what are you doing, Dad? No, shit. <laughs> <laughs> your Not voice. enough, I guess. That's amazing, though. Yeah, so I guess, like, just even thinking forward, like, what is going to keep you just decades from now bringing some other – yeah, paying it forward and bring some other kids to the game and sharing that love that you like have that is really magnetic. Like I, I, I honestly kind of like tip my hat to you because I think I wanted to go to, of course, right here in Harrison Red Bulls games and just be a little bit more mindful about you know the world's game that is soccer because of the passion that radiates off of you. Someone someday will be very lucky to get that from you. What makes you want to pay that forward, or like, and then yeah. what's that gonna you know be looking like? Yeah, not to, uh, it, a great point, or a great question rather. And I think um, this actually has has uh, highlighted something that I maybe could have added to something that you asked earlier about uh, how has like being a season ticket holder kind of kind of changed my experience. And honestly, it's it's bringing people into the fold. I mean, I mean, we just recently uh, right, for whatever yeah. it's worth, 
had a group of whatever it was, like 11 or 12 of us, and most of whom had yeah. never been to the soccer game before, at least never been to Red Bull Arena before. Um, and that was, uh, that was, that was really, really awesome just to kind of like, you know, showing you guys a, a slice of really, honestly, who I am too. It's like, it, as, as I said it's earlier like, yeah. in, in our chat, I mean, it's just, it's, it's part of the identity that I have, but um, yeah, doing that and then bringing uh, I've two of my buddies from, from home who are season ticket holders alongside me and, right. you know, helping them sort of learn more about the game and learn more about the organization and just what, what goes on around the world in the sport as a whole has, uh, has definitely, I guess, become the way that I'm able to, to grow in my fandom, I guess, so to speak. But um, yeah, I, I, th I think it's, <laughs> it's a daunting thing to bring people to, uh to I bring bet, people to yeah. the arena like, hey during, very good chance season. we're gonna see no like no progress we can see 90 minutes of just cardio yeah well it is it, it that's what i'm saying it's like it, this year of all years is um uh, this year and last year have been have been a little rough this this season in particular has been probably the most turmoil i've seen at this club in it, it maybe my lifetime um it's it's been a rough one so far and there's there's time to pull it together but we'll see but uh, it's so it's a little daunting to bring to bring new people there because you sure. know I also uh, I think so highly of it and I know that people attach it so so tightly to me as the as they should because again it's you know really just part of my identity but um you know I really want to it's it's like pressure to kind of show it in the best light um, which really at yeah, the end right. of the day not <laughs> not on me entirely but um like bringing a girl you know, home to a parent it's like okay like I know. Things are going well, but like, here's a real side of me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, I just want to do the club justice and do, totally. you know, just show, show all of like the beauty that I know that is there in the sport as a whole and, and the organization as well. And just, I want to show the best, the best bits of that all the time, um, which you're not always going to be able to do, of course, but um you know, you got to take the, you got to take the good with the bad sometimes, but. That's cool. Uh, um, I think I, even in my just few trips and this, uh, the most recent game that you were just highlighting that we went to in particular was pretty awesome because there was, there's some doubters amongst us and even myself sometimes being one of them. I'm, I'm here right now. You're taking time out of your night to talk with me and share so many great things with me. And I'm calling it cardio, which I means you know, sometimes it's just like that, but we saw an electric game where, they were like no, we really quick down to nothing. And they like when they when they tied it up and they had that equalizing goal, all the doubters that were in our group were actually like screaming. So for all yeah. us to be unified on that front on your part must have felt great. If if it was a if it was a trip home with the significant other to the parents, we were definitely going back to meet up with those parents again because the Red Bulls are great parents and, and there's culture there. I think um like I like I mentioned before, there's there's little things in the stadium that are awesome. I've I've been living in Hoboken for like a year and a half now, and I've enjoyed like some of the local stuff around me, like Departed Souls Brewery, and seeing yeah. that like the South Ward has their own relationship with them and brews like uh, their drink there. Is there anything, any other little like tidbits like that that have come to light just in the past few months, or any like little stories that you'd like to that you could share? Yeah, I know. Um... I know of late over the past like year or so um, the team has been trying to grow like a, a network of like partner bars and stuff like that. So to your point, I, I know you've mentioned that departed souls like shows games there and stuff like that on, yes, on game right. days. 
Um, so they've been trying to they've been trying to grow that, and that's that's an, an interesting thing too. Now with with Apple TV having the having the rights to MLS because it's a yeah it's a point of conversation of how many places will actually be able to to show games and how much will that actually maybe hinder the growth of the league and stuff like that. But um, I, I mean, what I'll what I'll always say it's not what we do every time when we go to a game. But what I'll what I'll say is if if, if you want a glimpse at um, the supporters culture and what like like the best it has to offer um on a game day and, and all of that i you come to you come to the parking lot before the game and and you see the tailgating going on you see folks with uh like these these crazy long grills and they're it, it, like you got carne asada going on you've got like yeah. you've got churros you've got um you know these these stands with uh, fresh fruit being being cut and served and stuff like that, uh, like you would see really in um, on the quarters on the on the corners of uh, you know like streets in the city in, in Manhattan, oh, you see kind of similar similar stuff. Um, and it's it's all it's just people like it's like a festival, you know, when you, when you go out for a game. And then and then the supporters groups all have their like march into the stadium at the same time, and you they've got smoke and they're chanting and they're dr- they're hitting the drums and um you've got all that and then outside the the arena you've got it, it's a very very family friendly environment it is really nice and they're always building up even more too yeah well and that's i think that's always been the idea is to is to really for from mls as a whole is um you know a lot of the people that have have grown up only on on european soccer and everything you know maybe they're maybe they're lost causes. So, you know, you try and just kind of cultivate that new generation of fan that's grown up with MLS, which is, you know, which I have, but that's for people our age, that's a pretty rare experience because uh, of the size of the league at the time that we were growing up. Um, so that's, it's not too many people like that, but oh, you have yeah. a lot of kids now who in, in all across this area have grown up uh, going to Red Bull development camps, going to, you know, clinics and stuff like that taught by, by uh, Red Bull coaches um, and, you know, have gone to player meet and greets and I have grown up going to games, going to Red Bull arena. And, you know, they have all of those games and activities for kids outside of the arena uh, where you've got like an upper 90 shot challenge. You've got like one V one, like dribbling skills and stuff like that. And it's it's all it's all for it's all for the kids, really, is what it is. Seems like it really does like give back to Harrison and give back to anyone there. It's 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 welcoming. It's it's like some ways people might feel like it feel. I think maybe my gut reaction first going was like, oh, this feels a little less like prestige or less just official as like my other experiences have been at at pro sports. But like come to think of it, you're almost the average person is just getting priced out of those experiences. And you don't have the chance just to play a game for a bit, do an upper 90 challenge and walk in with other fans. So, in fact, maybe the fact that it, it doesn't feel as professional, again, it's just a little bit more global and makes it feel more accessible. I mean, I mean, I mean, aesthetically, there are so many differences between going to an MLS game, at, at least going to a Red Bull game versus going to, uh, you know, like you said, one of the more established leagues, one of the more uh leagues with a more professional sort of feel like you're walking into a ballpark on game day or whatever at, at city field or something like that it's a little bit it's de- it's definitely different um and I, I can certainly understand that perspective but it's it's fu- like 
if you just kind of put your guard down a little bit. Yeah, you don't have to give yourself to it. It's kind of interesting. Let yourself enjoy. It's just fun. It is. It's fun, and it's more accessible than any other pro sport in the area by far. Really? Uh, and yeah, it's just. It's it's a good time. Yeah. I think you sold myself. I think let's go to that next uh, Wednesday night game coming up, man. You've certainly sold me on that. <laughs> yeah, that. That's awesome. It sounds like you have absolutely zero regrets, and we'll kind of continue to find more. And like you're just kind of growing with the team. It's really cool. So so yeah, I kind of introduced everything tonight with the fact that you've been you're coming you're right in the middle of this, uh, which before you yeah, so a little bit of a tumultuous Red Bull season, but I know you're gonna come out with it with your head above water. But you have completed a year under your belt as a season ticket holder, or was was it correct me if it was was it half season tickets for the Devils? Half this past year will be full next year. Yeah. Half this yeah, wow, what a way to what a way to tee it up. We're gonna have to do a sequel to this, man. Check back in. <laughs> Because, yeah, I mean, coming into this at a really exciting time. So I have a little bit more familiarity with the NHL and the MLS and just a really kind of tough decade or so with the Devils. But they're coming off of undoubtedly their best season of the decade. So you're rolling right into it with full season tickets with a star player in Jack Hughes. You had a playoff run. First playoff series win in 10 years. Is that correct? Yeah, it's uh, 11 years. That's awesome, man. So again, maybe just in contrast, what what how have your half season tickets with being a Devils fan been different to this little bit more of an accessible, fun for everyone signing experience as um Red Bulls fan in the MLS been? How, how have those kind of deferred? Yeah, it's 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 very, very different. I mean, um I, as you mentioned you mentioned accessibility and certainly the accessibility is is very very different uh a lot of a lot of people are priced out of being fans of hockey because it's 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 tough to to you know get tickets to i really no different i guess from from most other sports but there's just so i would never dream of my sports man this is why i always get so like jealous of you and like what is appealing about soccer is like i literally couldn't for um being a jets and knicks fan like forget it those are probably like my oh my god yeah 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 you know you wouldn't get as close to it but there is certainly a bit of a culture and a unique, a really unique fandom around the Devils that I just, I sound like the worst kind of fan, but I really do admire and appreciate. And like, it does kind of just flat out suck being from Jersey, loving Jersey, and not getting to say that I am like a proud Devils fan. If I go to games and I'm playing a team besides the Rangers, I'm going to root for the Devils. But like, hockey is definitely on the lower end of the totem pole for me. But the Devils yeah. are really cool, man. Like, the way they came into the league and like kind of winning off the bat in some ways is and like creating their own. I feel like they always were just like a, a bit rebellious and kind of had that like screw you attitude because they were so new. And one, it's like, all right, you don't believe us, watch this. And I, just little things in, in culture from them. Like, I, I love seeing that their, their collaboration with the front bottoms, another New Jersey right. native yeah. band this year was really cool. I've, I've always followed them, been a huge, uh, you know, advocate for uh, Kevin Smith as a filmmaker, just the way that he can advocate for the great state of New Jersey. He's always been a huge fan of the devil. So like, I wish I was right there with you. So they have their own, own kind of cool culture that I'm sure that you got a bit of a taste of this year. Yeah. The, and, and I, I've talked about identity a little bit before, just with, with myself and, and soccer and having the ownership over like MLS fandom and just cause it's a unique thing and it's, it's a young thing and it's, it's growing. Um, 
the devils has that in spades as well but it, for, for for me but it's just a, it's just a different thing because it's a massive part of you know my identity just where i'm from is very similar to you i mean you're you're you'll always be a jersey guy at heart i mean that's everything that that you know you and i love aside from you know how you, you differ in the in on the hockey spectrum a little bit as you mentioned but absolutely um, you know i mean just being jersey's team is 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 everything right and so there's something unique there about um kind of always feeling like that scrappy little like younger brother of the rangers right um, and you've also even no got reason that. the rangers haven't won anything in so long it's so weird I know, I know, but the, I, you know, just the, but it is kind of like that. People are like, "Oh, the Devils!" Like, "Oh, where do you play again?" Yeah, exactly. I mean, just the 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 Rangers just have such a, a hold. I mean, even you you walk around Jersey, I mean, you obviously, I mean, everybody knows this is news, but you will see, you know, Rangers gear everywhere. You know, every other person you talk to, is totally. a Rangers fan too. But um, you know, I it's it's I can't even articulate how special and how exciting of a time this is for the I, I've rarely been i don't know if there's another time that i've been more excited for one of my teams yeah, uh, bet, man. for the future and for the future that it holds i mean i don't know if i don't know if the hoop fiends uh podcast network wants to be uh wants to be like a take central i, I don't think it's a hot take either but like no please that's all we do we're the next three years this team this team will be in the stanley cup final um i mean that they're yeah it's it's they're already without some of the incredible moves that have been made and, and the culture has completely completely shifted from from what we had over the past decade of just losing and losing and losing and and completely that's the biggest thing isn't it like you can sign players and you can make moves but you have to have an organization that like actually wants this team to win and rather like let's not kid ourselves all pro sports are about making money putting assets in seats but at the same time, like you need to have both kind of visions of being successful financially, but also like as an owner, kind of wanting all the, all that part of your front mind like towards winning and like having a healthy culture. And it sounds like you're there. Yeah, I mean, I I'm, I actually have a, a question for you, close to that. But I I will say, I'm for me, uh, everything that we're experiencing with the New Jersey Devils. I mean, it, it was just we just had the the. Biggest single season turnaround from the yeah my my first year actually being a half season ticket holder was the year season prior two, two seasons as a half ticket season holder that yeah and it was it was the worst season in franchise history since the eighties when we moved to Jersey in eighty oh two um and then this year was the best season in franchise history and then we went on to beat the Rangers in the first round of playoffs and you know uh in a game seven it was just it was everything about it was just amazing we've got all these young stars everything about them blah 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 to me it's all from the GM our, our GM Tom Fitzgerald has has done everything for this for this for this team but um but the ownership group is uh is David Blitzer and Josh Harris who also own the uh, 76ers so I was actually I'm, I'm curious from from your perspective being a massive basketball guy yeah because yeah, I know the Sixers are, are good I'm aware of that but I don't know has has there been like from the time I don't know how long they've owned the team either but have they kind of done a similar thing there too like could it be chopped up to ownership do they have like a have, have they had like a similar growth as the as the devil has had so, yeah so that's a really good point actually I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up because i forgot that they actually are owned by the same group but when we were first talking about culture 
I, I that's I'm, I'm stoked because I actually had the Sixers in mind when we were talking about professional teams. Oh, really? actually, I actually think it's the opposite prop. I think they're I think they're dealing with the exact opposite force right now. Where I think the reason that the Sixers can't get over the hump is because of a bit of their organizational culture. Um, wow. it's, it's really weird. So yeah, they have been. Um, I'm sure you've heard people say like the Sixers, their big brand is trust the process. That's been yeah. for, I would say, like about a decade where they would like, and tanking isn't as big of a thing in the NBA anymore because of the prospect of the play in. And, and, right. and almost just as, as you're seeing now, I'm sure in the past few weeks, just how volatile free agency can get. So if you're just always tanking and like have zero hope, like just very few free agents will be like, that's where I want to go play. Where if you're just kind of like middling and look like you're well run, at least maybe a free agent will want to go there and then you're or on the other end, you're now in the playing tournament and can, you know, catch a ride to the finals, just like the Heat did this year. The Heat were a playing team. But so they're tanking and they're tanking and they're getting good draft picks. But I think what they're bumping up against now and what kind of confirms this, they're a coach of the past, I think two or three years, Doc Rivers, like oh, instant Hall of Famer. He's top ten and wins in NBA history was just fired last year after yet another second round exit with the okay. Sixers. And he was on, um, he's speaking with Bill Simmons, who we are always talking about. I can't believe that we got to, we found a way to mention him again on this podcast. <laughs> I thought we would go without it. We just really liked the ringer and everything like that. But anyway, he was interviewing Doc Rivers and he was saying that they just kind of have it stuck in their head that there's always next year. Uh, you know what? At least we'll, be, we'll have a chance to rebuild or, you know what? We were so awful for so long. The fact that we got to the second round, we should be proud of that. So that kind of culture has, they haven't quite left that there in Philadelphia. And like you said too, it seems like it's a huge part of the devils and what they're doing. And yeah, I bet you felt it. What So like, what was, what was an average game like this past season? Like how much more excited were you to get a ride to the game and hang out at the game after in comparison? Like, was it just electric? Uh, that, that would be exactly the word that was going to come out of my mouth, man. I mean, the uh, it, it's also just hockey is also just a different environment to to be in, like to be at a hockey game. Yeah, speak on I mean, that. It's, I mean, electric is the best word to possibly describe it. The energy within a building. I mean, also just being in a closed building and like the nature of that is is different, obviously, than being in an open yeah, stadium. Right. But but you know when you when you walk into uh, Red's Beer Garden, right across the street from the Prudential Center, um, or American Whiskey, or, or whatever, whatever you're doing, you're on the sh- on that on that street over there on in Championship Plaza, right out there, uh, in front of the in front of the arena. I mean, it's it's so palpable the excitement, and that obviously isn't always the case. I, of course, over the past decade, that hasn't always been the case for this team because yeah, you know, but no one was there. But you go in. Any time this year, outside of the first couple of games, um, even then, really, I mean, there was still there was still immense amounts of hope and, and uh, expectations for the team. But uh, every single person in there is, you know, aside from aside from intoxicated, they're also they're also just bouncing off the walls, ready to go. Um, and it, hockey will just do that to you too, because it's just it's just a sport of the nature of the game. Unprecedented like, like intensity and everything. It is 
it is, I think, the the best sport to watch, like for a viewer, um, and probably the best sport to to I think be at in person um, that I that I can think of. But um, yeah, electric is absolutely the word. I mean, you just felt with every game that you were about to witness some special moments, whether it was you know a, a ridiculous goal from Jack Hughes or um, you know some very slick plays from some of our other young forwards and stuff like that. Um, our, our defense was lights out most of the year. I mean, it, everything was clicking for so long this year that you just, you, you walked into that building with such confidence that you were about to see something special. Um, and with the knowledge that what you were about to see was going to lead you closer and closer to, to that promised land of the playoffs for this year. I mean, it was always the goal to get to the playoffs, but as you got series, yeah. yeah, as you got closer to the end of the year, I mean, you started looking even further than that. You started thinking, like, wait a second, maybe this team can do can do some special things. And these are young players that are that are you know growing and getting more experience that are only going to get better. And yet, still in this offseason, we've done nothing but get better. Sign sign a veteran goal scorer who's really well respected around the league and someone who's absolutely going to move the needle um, in Tyler Toffoli, and then. Uh, you know, it's just it's just constantly progressing towards that goal of being a juggernaut that's going to win the Stanley Cup one day. Um, and you just you just I'm telling you just feel it coming in Jersey, and I think the whole league feels it coming in Jersey. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I mean, man, you you ju- you feel it coming in Jersey, and everybody. Uh, all I was gonna, all I was gonna say is everybody else does too. Like the whole league is. What do you say? Like on notice. Like they have, they have more than put the league on notice. And you look at any, um, like standings, projections for for the next few years, anything like that. Devils are top of the charts in uh, the, the expectations have have most definitely arrived. Which is, know, so which is now it gets out. scary for you, Dan. Now they're exactly. gonna now these exactly. really matter. Exactly. Because the last like like this year was it wasn't, um, you know, it's not like we were like playing with house money or anything like that. But it was the expectations were not quite there yet. It was just it was just make the playoffs. And, and we did that and, and exceeded that um, oh. and showed, you know, showed what we could do far beyond that. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's it, it's it's going to change for next season. I mean, we. I believe that at the moment Vegas has us at like the fourth best odds to win the cup. Um, I think our odds might even be better to win the cup than, than Vegas has of odds to defend it, um, which is interesting, but really that is interesting. The pressure, the pressure has arrived in Jersey as well. Um, but yeah, it's, you, it's, you literally got into the ground floor. That's amazing. Oh, really quick. Is your, is your devil fandom as old as your as your Red Bulls? What was your quick? What was your entry to to this world? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, it's not quite as old as my as my Red Bulls fandom. I mean, I, I would go with the same cousin that I went to that that I grew up going to uh, Red Bulls games with and Metro Stars games with. He would also bring me uh, now and then to a Devils game, but it was much less frequently. But I I did you know grow up going you here. Have that base. The Continental Airlines Arena, also going to the Meadowlands, uh, and then and then to the Prudential Center when that opened in two thousand seven. But uh, definitely a little bit more sparingly. I I did not 
go to a large amount of hockey games when I was younger. I might have always watched, but there's nothing like there's nothing that will that will get you steeped in you know in your fandom from a young age rather uh, other than going to um, going to the games, right? I agree. I think get it. I th- I went for the first time in so long. I think in the 2021 season. So things are just kind of just kind of opening up after COVID again. Oh, right, right. That was my f- my first like live hockey game ever was Devils Crack, and I went with our mutual friend Matt. And I was like, this isn't even my team, but like it's honestly a pretty easygoing experience. I could get to the Prudential Center, and they were you know going through this year, so tickets were pretty affordable. And like I'm like, okay, I need to start watching my team again and like pay attention to the league because you really do just kind of have to be there, I guess, to get it, and then. Once you see it in person, watching it on screen, you can kind of have a little bit more relatability to it and understand yeah. what, what it all feels like to finally put one in the net. So, to, But to people like that who have that barrier, so I, it's so interesting. I think without even realizing, we've been kind of harping on the same theme of just unrelatability with a lot of Americans with soccer, but also with hockey. I think hockey kind of, for the most part, ranks on the lowest of interest for a lot of just general sports fans. So yeah. someone in North Jersey who is always, I mean, I'm a huge Jets fan who I even have a really interesting co- year coming up with, you know, the ayahuasca loving quarterback that's just changing things for me and raising my ticket prices. But you know, I, I suffered through and because I love the Jets and I love football to go to MetLife Stadium, which is, I think, just better suited off being a prison. I think you'd find <laughs> a lot of people that don't speak too highly of the fan experience there. There's nothing so like why do you think why do you think it is that people aren't as into the NHL? Like how would you kind of what what is promising right now about the league and how would you continue to sell people on it and you know check out check out things over in Newark? Yeah, so I'll uh, a few brief reasons I think why uh hockey lags behind some of the I mean it's still technically part of that big four that that's generally kind totally. of preferred. Yeah. But it is for most people probably the bottom of that four. Uh, but I think one of the major things is n- not nearly as many people grow up in America playing hockey. Um, there's it's a large barrier to entry where uh, the most fundamental and basic part of the sport being skating is like a sport yeah. in its own uh, in its own right. So um, you know you're only you almost have to like learn a sport just to play just just to just then learn going, sport. Yeah. Um, so it's, I mean, it, it's, it's incredible. It's like just a compound effect, but, um, that's part of the reason I, I think people just don't necessarily have the exposure to it. And I think probably the most talked about part of it is the lack of marketability of, of, and I think, I think at a certain point, it's almost becoming a little bit overblown, like a, a little bit I agree. too much, but like you've, you've heard for years about how hockey players have no marketability and it, and it's it's true in it's true to an extent in a lot of players especially a lot of the best players just mean business and have very little personality on camera um not to say that they have no personality off off no, camera no you're right but that's like almost uh, that almost might even be that seems like a part of hockey culture where it's almost like a killer mentality like exactly. i need to get out there and do my job like there's not a lot of like, and it's so fast paced. There's not a lot of time to kind of mess around. So that I feel like that's not going to change. 
but that's what people need to get over that almost to what you're saying. Uh, and, I, and I, and I agree. And I think what, what people need to latch onto, I mean, you know, as well as anybody with the NBA, that personality does win fans. Like I, it's certainly not to, to disregard that because uh, at least, you know, at least I hear about the NBA constantly. I'm not even a basketball fan. And I hear about the NBA constantly. With, Absolutely. You know, who's forcing a trade over here and, you know, who's, who's beefing with whoever and, you know, whatever uh, big three is forming, um, you know, I, it's, Nazi, it, I think the way that league is marketed is just like, it's almost, I would describe it as being inherent. It it wasn't a mind blowing film, but watching air was really interesting because I was kind of talk like getting into how they were marketing athletes in the eighties and basketball almost has its big boom in the eighties with, uh, Magic Johnson and Larry Bird coming out of college at the same time, and then the Lakers Celtics rivalry in the 80s specifically, like still defines the sport. But right away, you know, Magic and Larry were signed to shoe deals with Converse, and they're just out there, like, and you're just like, and just again, like, based on the game itself, you have no aspect where you have to learn to skate and do this other sport and wear a helmet where no one can see your face. There's only five guys out there on the court at the same time, and they can just exactly see every single little inflection that you would make to anything. So it's almost, it's just unfair to compare the marketing in that way. I guess what you could do to maybe change it is just to market the action and like that suspense and that, like we've been talking about electricity in the air. Yeah. I, I, I that's kind of where I was going to go with it as well. Uh, with my response that is, because I think I said this before, but there's, nothing to me there is nothing to me like the the drama and the action on the ice as as there is in any other sport there's nothing like it um you have the ability you have these players with the ability to move faster and you know just up and down the ice constantly because you have the ability to move faster than you would on your feet um you have so many changes of direction and and back and forth and um you know with only with only five guys on the ice per you know per team at a time uh it is there's room for for so much to happen and uh you know i it's similar to basketball obviously in the, in the numbers game and in terms of how many people are on the ice at one time but right. maybe it's maybe it's part of it that even your biggest stars you know you have a 60 minute game uh three 20 minute periods of course and you know your biggest stars are probably playing That's around cool. around twenty minutes of that at very quick intervals. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, they're on the ice. Quick, quick intervals. Yeah. You know, a shift could be forty five seconds, and then they're off. Uh, it could it could be like closer to two yeah. minutes sometimes, but that's a, that's a bad shift. Um, but uh, so maybe that's part of it too. Is that you know the star guys that you might go look for, like Connor McDavid, is is the pinnacle when you think of that and Connor Bedard, who's number one, uh, number one overall draft pick this year, uh, is, is going to be that as well by all accounts. Right. Um, You know, even them, they're, they're out there for a third of the game. Yeah. It's hard to get a feel for what they're like when it's just boom, be the best you for three minutes and you're off again. Yeah, exactly. So it's, you know, maybe that's part of it too, but I think, I feel like things are on the rise. I feel like viewership, correct me if I'm speaking out of turn, I feel like it's on the rise. I feel like the playoffs this year is a little bit buzzier. 
and again, maybe we're biased because I think casuals like myself can definitely get really excited when the Devils Rangers rivalry is literally put to the test in the first round of the playoffs. It yeah. kind of, I feel like for like a week or two, you couldn't escape it right around here. It's really fun. Like, I, like we went to a watch party for hockey. Like that never happens. Like at someone's home, but um, <laughs> it's a little bit better. Like I think. I don't know. I was I, even after that series with my team getting knocked out. I was watching a lot of Kraken. I was watching a lot of Knights. Yeah. I think there's just a lot of talent spread around the league. I think in the most recent draft classes, having guys like McDavid, Matthews, Hughes, Eichel, I think this is almost like a lot of just young, young, exciting people. And the emphasis on young than ever before. So I, I'm optimistic. Is it right to be optimistic about the NHL? It's absolutely right to be optimistic about the NHL. I mean, I know I know not everybody is, and, and maybe I just hold a more optimistic view because everything that's going around, going on around this market in New Jersey is is looking up and and and, right. and all of that. Um, but I, it's hard to escape that when, to your point, like that that Devils Rangers series was nothing like I'd ever seen. I've never seen hockey consume. I mean, the New York market is and the metropolitan areas, you know, just surrounding it is the biggest market out there, right? And, and honestly, some players can't handle it. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Um, but it felt like this entire area was so fully consumed yeah, in during that time. And that's like nothing I've ever seen before, at least as an adult. I mean, um, yeah, they play the playoffs. Devil's Raven faced off in 2012, of course, in the Eastern Conference Final, which was obviously – uh, you know, a bigger deal with a, a trip totally. to the, the ramifications the, the line. But you know, I mean, I was I was in eighth grade then, so I, I can't exactly can't really speak to. That's a funny little story. I remember for some reason I couldn't watch a game in the moment. I don't. Know, I think I was just messing around like town. But I was really interested in it, and I couldn't obviously get into Lombardi's, a town bar of ours. But yeah. they had the audio pumping outside, so I got like oh, a cold, crisp can of Coke and like listened to like a couple periods just outside the bar. Like how sad! I don't know why I wasn't just at my home, but that, I guess that speaks to how long ago it was. But there is yeah, yeah, this area got really into it. memory. That's phenomenal. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think about that. Yeah, this area specifically got super into it. But yeah, uh, yeah again, so um, it was awesome, awesome to hear about kind of how these two experiences deferred and overlapped. And the overlap is, I guess when you're a season ticket holder, you just really give a shit about this stuff and you're really plugged in. And the perspective that you have is just, it's a, it's immense. And it's just, you're really tied to it. So I guess one of the last things I wanted to talk about was just, how do you feel that the media covers these two leagues of yours and these two teams of yours? And like, what can maybe be different about, you know, this current state of media? Are you, are you enjoying the way that they're covered? And maybe how do you, how do you most consume uh, news and updates about soccer and hockey? Yeah. Great, great questions. Uh, so MLS has taken huge strides in uh in my opinion in the coverage this year uh, th- there there are some pros and cons to apple's right ownership of the tv rights but what has been what we've been in dire need of in this league has been uh like national pregame and postgame shows um right. and and like a whip around sort of show so we have all of that now with Apple. We have like midweek coverage. There's um, like weekly 
recaps and previews to the to the coming weekend uh, podcasts and things like that. I mean, those have always existed, but to centralize it within the Apple TV space um, and make it all available there. It adds it, prestige, like like what I was talking. Yeah, we were talking about before. It makes it still more. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I and mean, it's it, it in in that sense, it has completely leveled MLS up. There are, as I say that, there is such a far way to go. I mean, uh, not that this is the only right way to go about things from a coverage perspective, but you do not see like beat reporters for MLS teams or anything like that for right. local outlets. Even no, it's important for like the athletic or for local. You have you have a handful, maybe a handful is probably not fair. There's there's a solid amount of, of MLS writers in the uh, athletic staff, but um, they're all like national, they're all national writers. You're not getting local coverage. The local coverage comes from a lot of times, at least in the case of the Red Bulls, fan media. Um, so you got like like MLS thrived on on places like SB Nation um okay and and things like that so fan media blogs essentially precisely precisely um that has been huge i mean i mean some of them actually i I, actually i can say this with full confidence all of the most reliable sources of red bulls news uh like press conference sound bites and quotes and stuff like that they all come from fans on twitter for me they wow. they also those those, You're those, plugged in. Yeah. those people are also writing and like covering the team from in a more professional perspective as well. Like this is not just like some Joe Schmo fan like blogging about yeah. his game day experience. Like these people treat this like it is their job because it is their club. And that maybe goes into the whole ownership over uh, you know, fans having sort of an ownership over the, over their team and, and like a, a sense of impact in in their club and in their community what is, you're, you're literally delivering like important information out there that's like a, a, a literal service because the fans have kept this legal afloat and they're continuing they're, they're always going to continue to do so but so that, so that's so that's mls um and first for, for has, a, has nhl been affected by i guess what people would call like new media which i don't even know if i like that term or not i think again i hear the term new media pop up a lot with the NBA, with, you know, athletes themselves taking the right to, you know, becoming analysts and with news coming much more out of social media itself and kind of moving on to just like quicker ways to consume your your passion. Are you, are you feeling the NHL is being tapped in, into that regard? Definitely. I think hockey is thriving on social um, and, and uh, like very snackable sort of content. Um, and when you talk about, I have, I have an interesting thought about hockey too, and how hockey has been, how, how I see hockey being consumed by fans online. Um, and it's different than I see in, in a lot of sports because all these hockey fans that I see are so plugged into specific things around their team, such as, such as like player contracts, uh, salary cap stuff. Uh, roster build, like lineup yeah. decision, but like very, very sort of specific things that are, you yeah, know, in some sports could be seen as like internal to the organization. But that's like this the stuff that is the most popular uh, that I see being being shared and stuff like that, and like contract negotiations and 
Um, and again, you know, salary cap uh, uh, consequences to, to the, those contracts and things like that, um, which feels very unique to me to, to a lot of other sports, but that's, that seems to be, and, and the other, another thing is analytics too. Analytics to me is, is exploding in hockey and is part of the reason why uh, a lot of people are so, I guess, I guess in, kind of just like engrossed in specific players and, and what they're doing on the, like these are micro stats that I'm talking is about. Is there even a question about analytics anymore in hockey or is it like if you're questioning the use of it, like you're a dinosaur? That's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's weird. Like with the NFL, like, and definitely uh, baseball too, people will kind of come down on coaches that were have, like relying too heavily upon it. Like, oh, you still have to use your gut use your head, which I guess is like, that's probably still there in uh, coaching with hockey. Where it's like, you still have to have relationships and like yeah, yeah. instincts. But I think there's almost like more like a 50, 50 or 60, 40 in those leagues where it seems like it's just like really guiding things in hockey. It absolutely, it absolutely feels that way to me too. I mean, if you, again, like you said, if, you, if you're not, if you're in any way like sort of against the use of analytics in hockey, you are, Falling behind. I mean, you definitely have you definitely have some GMs. I can think of a couple that come to mind. Some general managers of teams uh, and executives that are, you know, maybe on 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 the older side and have not fully leaned into that. And there's nothing wrong. That's okay. Uh, they run their team how they run their team, obviously. But uh, you see the analytically led teams at the forefront of this league now. Uh, the Devils are absolutely one of those teams. Um, but uh, but. To, to the going back to just sort of media and, right. and how fans are consuming that, like like fans are fully invested in that too, which feels really really different to me than some other sports. But um, but yeah, in terms of how I, how I consume it, I mean, uh, the athletic is definitely a hub for for hockey media, but um, they're great. I think a lot of people are turning there because. Just seems a little bit more direct and, and genuine. Yeah, yeah, I, I I love the the coverage on there, but you also have a lot of uh, Canadian outlets and, and organizations that are kind that kind of lead the way as well uh, as you know it's you know their their biggest sport um, up there in Canada, so they kind of lead the way a lot as well. I mean, like Toronto, the media in in Toronto kind of is what people are scared is what some some player what you said before some players aren't cut out for in New York I mean it's Toronto the, the microscope over there is, is incredible and you don't see that in every market just like you don't see the covers that New York gets in in baseball basketball football in every market either um right but it's it's going back to new media I, I definitely I definitely think that's where there is incredible growth potential, probably. Yeah, I mean, maybe just give people more of what they want. I think it sounds like because it's been a little bit more of an underground and niche uh, sport and just interest for people that they've almost had to find those different angles of it, being really interested in the internal organizations, you know, you know, financial aspect of it with contracts and getting like, I just feel like there's like an absolutely insane wealth of knowledge you dive into with hockey analytics maybe it's because of 
you know, just the, the way it's just been kind of pushed down a bit more. So I think those ideally, but ideally that will not go away as it continues to get, you know, more and more popular. Yeah. And I just, I, I would just say that it's interesting to me too, that I see that that stuff is some of the most popular content being consumed and the most popular, the, like the most talked about, um, you know, topics because I, does that not sound like some of the most boring stuff about the sport, right? Right. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a complete nerd about all that stuff myself, uh, which, which I've surprised myself be, having never played hockey myself um, to be that interested in, in like micro stats and analytics and um, all of that stuff. Like it sounds like the most boring stuff, but I, I've definitely become part of that crowd that has fully leaned into it and, and thoroughly, thoroughly enjoys all of it. Uh, but it's it's not what is the most popular and most talked about um, in other sports, uh, uh, from my perspective, at least, which is definitely interesting. But I, I think yeah, that, that allows there to be, I think that shows that there's like a, a, a younger fan base as well that is, yeah, you're more right. Some of that stuff, which maybe is room for optimism there too. Yeah, I think so too. I think I don't know if our, you know, our parents would have necessarily been expressing their fandom in that way, but you hope right. that just almost like nurtured and expressed as it kind of continues to go on. And just like we were saying about the Devils before too, it just seems like a lot of parts of, you know, our, you know, like our music from around New Jersey, the front bottoms getting into the team and different parts of like our culture. I I would hope that that is happening across the league and that's kind of what makes it, you know, so exciting. It feels kind of homegrown. It's amazing. And then, yeah, Dan, I guess just to put a bow on it, we've been able to cover so much just tonight alone. It's been just giving us so many nuggets. If you had to pick a certain soundbite, I don't know if I could, but <laughs> what have you just to maybe looking a little bit more introspectively with, you know, these two seasons of half season tickets with the Devils and, you know, now halfway through a full season of of, of a full season tickets with the Red Bulls and with so much optimism coming up with the Devils. What do you think? You, have you gained anything personally out of it? Because we joke so much on the Hoop Feeds podcast here. It's like we're bickering over what does this role player really mean for this team in the playoffs this year? You know, getting yeah. so caught up in little things. Do you think that, you know, caring so much about this stuff has had like a major effect on you as Daniel? As just dance the deal. Yeah, I think I think when I was younger going to going to games kind of infrequently for, for whatever sport. Um, but I'll I'll specifically highlight going to Devils games too. Like going infrequently and just being there every now and then, I I I'd feel like a guest in in these places, you know, in these stadiums, arenas, bars, whatever it was. I'd feel like a guest in these places. And now, I mean, they're home. Now they feel like home. And it's like I have these uh, these places that I can go and just enjoy the hell out of myself and just love every second of it. And, you know, just, just unapologetically, like, just fully dive into it. Um, and, you know, I never ever feel like an outsider in any of these places or you know it's yeah, it's amazing. It, it, it's it's mine and it's it's not just mine it's ours of course but it's you, you know what i mean like it's um uh, these things are part of my identity these uh silly little sporting organizations 
um, for better or worse, part of who I am. But you know, it, it definitely going and, and like fully all in to this uh, last season, this season, um, you know, in both of these sports, going fully all in has just allowed me. I, I, I yeah, I guess I would just kind of circle back to that. Just so allows me to feel really. Uh, more at home than I ever have at these gigantic venues. With <laughs> yeah, look at that. Finding a home in a place where, like, honestly, a lot of times it can be overwhelming with the crowds, but that's where, uh, you know, you're most comfortable. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, I would definitely wouldn't wouldn't trade it for, for anything. I mean, that's the, the money's nothing when you compare, when you compare, uh, you know, everything that, that you get out of it for being a part of, uh, a part of an organization that yeah that, it's true that you want to forget yeah everything that they that they bring to to anyone's life any big thing's life yeah well i've been having this thought for a while i mean after just like getting to see what your time has been like before tonight and definitely after talking tonight it is definitely something on my bucket list to do at least one year with one of my favorite major sports teams because it seems like it almost just like cements how you feel about that part of your life and it seems like you're going to walk away with just like something new about it. And you've really sold me on it. Uh, I am always going to have a soft spot in my heart for the devils whenever they're not playing the Rangers after this. And it sounds like everyone deserves to get to feel what it's like to be a part of a larger community within um, the great sport of soccer. I cannot thank you enough. Dana, if there's anything that you want to plug or anything that you want to share about upcoming things you're doing, please do. But, um, you know, I hope you always find that there's a home for you on this podcast because you definitely have one of the most optimistic personalities and passions when it comes to stuff that we can argue and talk about so much. So this was a real pleasure. Thank you, buddy. I've got I've got nothing to plug. I'll just say go out and support your local team, uh, you know, w- whatever, whatever it might be. Um, that's that's the most important thing is just kind of kind of being a part of that that local team with the and the community surrounding it but yeah i mean I, i'm so glad we finally got to talk about all this stuff uh in full and like kind of fully dive into it so thank you for providing me the medium to do so oh absolutely man stoked for it man all right be well talk to you soon everybody uh with us coming up on the Hoops pod i'm sure we'll be breaking down everything with free agency and i know that steve and jp will be covering the upcoming nfl season a little bit of a slower period here in the summer, but you know that we're going to be ramping up anytime soon. You can always find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, at Hoop Fiends Pod. Follow us on Instagram, on Twitter, at Hoop Fiends. Have a good night, and as my man put it, follow your team and just get lost in yourself. Thank you. <laughs>